this sermon has got quite a few, um, it's got uh, Genesis 3, which is so much of Adam and Eve, not everything. Russ reminded us a bit of Adam and Eve this morning, so thank you for that. Put us a bit more in picture. Then we've got Job, who was in the middle of uh, Jesus, who was absolutely perfect. But I've always had a special part of Job in my heart. He's always been a special person because he's a fully human man. He's not like Jesus, but he does a good job. Job does a good job, as you would say. So here we go. When we read the Bible, it talks about the devil. We find out that he moves in at the start, normally, of something either big or important, which is about to happen on planet Earth. At the start of the human race, the devil moves in with Adam and Eve and upsets the instructions of God's word. In Job, everything seems good for him. He's a holy man and righteous. The devil moves in. Jesus gets baptised by John the Baptist at the start of his ministry. The devil moves in. He also is around not long after Jesus' birth. He is around nowadays with us and try and upset a balance of us in our particular lives. We've all got different lives, but the devil does move in. But you've got to be careful. We are sinful people, and sometimes it's us. It's not always the devil. Sometimes it's us. So the key thing is to stick with God and fight the good fight in this world because there is no better companions in this world than the Godhead to help us. They are always with God's people, and we do well to remember this. I do. So let's have a look at these three examples to help us in our Christian walk. So here we go. The Bible starts with Genesis, and from chapter 1 and 2, we have the beautiful creation, true story. God created everything good on planet Earth. It could not, it cannot, or could not be better because God did it. Then Adam is created from the dust, and Eve is created from one of Adam's ribs. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 is great reading, and all is well up to chapter 3, where things go wrong due to wrong thinking and wrong decision making, and not holding fast to God's instructions. And everything, including themselves, has just been created. They listen, Adam and Eve listen to a wrong voice, the devil. Why do they mess up when all is well? Did they want something more? Did they think they could be like God? It's a good question. But are we as people any different from men today? Why does God let this happen? Especially at the start. He could have stopped it. Who knows? Was it the first test? to see how mankind would respond to something different other than what God had said? Did a different voice or opinion make them fall, which has now passed on to us? And you think to yourself, where did the devil come from anyway? And why is he like he is? The devil is a created but fallen angel, created by God, but the devil wanted to be like God, or be God himself even. And he was cast out of heaven to earth where he is now. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's nothing changed there then today, has there? Nothing. 1 John 3.8 says this. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And thank goodness it was manifested. So originally, the devil was called Lucifer, created by God to be a pure and holy creature. But from the beginning of the world or near it, not only he sinned, by rebelling against God himself and by drawing the rest of the apostate angels into rebellion with him, but by tempting man soon after he was created to sin against God. What was the devil's first particular sin? It's not really certain whether it's pride or envy, but we as mankind find out about him here in the Bible in Genesis 3, where, we, where he is straight in with the first male and female created on earth, where everything is perfect and in harmony with each other. He doesn't like perfection or goodness, is only interested in evil, and he makes his mark here in the beginning of the human race. The devil spoils the perfect world into a sinful world, and here we are today, living in that fallen world. Adam and Eve pass this sinful nature onto everybody else, including us. Because it says in the Bible, in Genesis 3, 20, and Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living, that's all humans. So sin is passed on to everyone from now on. It's in our gene pool. Romans 3.23 says, as we've said this regularly recently, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everybody, including Adam and Eve. So at the end of the day, apart from Jesus Christ, no one will be perfect on planet Earth. And creation has just started. So looking at it from a straight cut point of view, it's a sad start <coughs> to what could have been so different. But I believe the Bible is being honest. It's telling you the truth of what happened. Because it'd be nice if everything were rosy in the garden, wouldn't it? It'd be nice if sin didn't happen that way. But the Bible is bang on. It's telling you the truth. It's not hiding anything from us. It's telling us what happened. And that's why you can trust the Bible. Because it tells you about good and it tells you about bad and sin. So, Genesis 3, 22 and 24 says this. Then the Lord's God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil, us meaning the Godhead. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also from the tree of life, which that could mean two trees, and live forever, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So God drove out the man, and placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. What a sad start to this beautiful creation. 
Anyway, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, then Abel. But Cain killed Abel in the field. The first man born to Eve, the mother of all living in Earth's history, becomes a murderer. That's another shock. Sin really does get a grip on mankind's actions. Really speaking then, we as humans live our lives on earth and we return back to the earth, into the ground where Adam came from, the dust. Abel is the first human to return back to the dust. Genesis 3 and 4 is one of the saddest readings in the Bible to me. I've lost my place. And we know that God had a plan and he knew what would happen. We're at chapter 3 and the devil moves in and sin is here from now on, even today. <clears throat> Look around. You cannot get away from it. Right, the next example, Job. Slightly different for Job. This is how it starts. From a chronological point of view, I think Job lived not long after the flood, but before Abraham. Here we are in Job 1.1. I mean, some people say Job or Job. It's the same spelling. So Job chapter 1.1 says this. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And the man was blameless, upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. So Job had lots of possessions, big family, servants, lots of cattle. So this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. Did the devil pick on him because he feared God and shunned evil? Possibly. Job may not have been the richest from a money point of view, but because he had all these things, he had everything in its right place and honoured God and put him first. Everything must have been fine for Job. And he seems to be a great role model, and he is. But look what happens to him. One minute he has everything, the next minute he has nothing. Job didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, but he hung on there and is a great example of a faithful man. Even though he moans and groans a bit, and why wouldn't he? In the state that he gets into, he is only human after all. So we move on to Job 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also comes among them. How Satan ends up back in heaven, absolutely no idea. He got kicked out of heaven and he ends up back there. And so I've got absolutely no idea how he ends up back there. Maybe he followed the way that he got thrown out. But he knew where heaven was because he was created and lived there. But one way or another, he ends up talking to God face to face. God knew what he had come for anyway. God has the insight that the devil doesn't have. <clears throat> and you see where the devil comes from in Job verse 7 of chapter 1. From going to and fro and walking back and forth on earth. So, he's on earth looking for trouble. 
His place is not in heaven anymore, even though his place was in heaven before. He knows who God is and how to get to him, and then he talks to him. This is eight. This is eight of Job 1. Then God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless, an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? You see, straight away, God knew what he had come for. So he puts Job straight into the conversation. From now on, Job is going to be tested. Job shunned evil, but now evil is upon him in every way. But the devil could only do this because God gave him permission. Now the testing starts. Job loses his oxen, donkeys, sheep, camels, servants, <coughs> then his sons and daughters, all gone, all dead. Verses 20 to 22 of Job, verse 1. Then Job arose, tore his robes, shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. And this is what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. How would we have reacted in this situation? I know what I'd have done on the spot, do we out? I bet the devil didn't like it. Job still worshipping God in his beautiful way. It proves he really is a blameless and an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. So, what happens next? The devil, not getting what he wanted, goes back to God again and gets permission to have another go at Job. And he gets it. He can't work it. I can't work that out in my head. I, just, I only know that because the Bible says it. And we won't know any other way. But you can't work it out in your head. He was there, he got kicked out, and he goes back twice. So Job 2, this is... Uh, Four and six. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. Just think of that. Satan wanted to see Job curse God to his face. Who really wants that? Who in the right mind wants that? So, Satan wanting to see Job curse that really does show his true colours. But God knows Job more than Satan will ever do. God will not let Job down, nor let him go. Job is always in the palm of God's hand. And that's the key. Even Job's wife says to him, verse 9, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's one of the worst bits of advice in the Bible. And John Job doesn't. He calls her a foolish woman. Job is a great example of a man in human history who loves God. Then, three of Job's friends come to see him, to help him in his adversity. 
And the best thing that they did was sit with him for seven days and say nothing. But after that, their advice and help was poor and unhelpful. Did Satan work in his friends because he didn't get his own way again? Who knows? Job hangs in there. He might moan and groan a bit, but who wouldn't? Job has no idea what is going on in the spiritual world, but he hangs on to what he believes is true. He holds on to his God. A broken man, yes, but keeps his faith. Job 13, 15 says this, Job speaking. Though he may slay me, yet I will trust in him. Job still has great faith in God. He still struggles on in his affliction. He's tired, run down, worn out, but still hangs on in there with his faith in God. So then we skip a load of chapters and then we go to Job 38. This is one and three. Then the Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. God then speaks to Job in the next four chapters and starts off about creation, the universe, things of the earth, etc. All the brilliant stuff that God's made. And what does Job has to sit there and listen? And he does well to listen. And then in Job 42.1, Job answers the Lord first by saying, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Then in verse 3, Job confesses, Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Yes, Job was a sinner, just like everybody else. But Job's fortunes are restored, twice as much as he had before. He lives 140 years, and then he dies full of days. There was plenty of life still in him, but his days I'd come to depart from this earth. Great faith from Job. God didn't let him go. I've explained this before. This is how I interpret God holding on to you. Because in my Christian life, I've been a Christian 38 years next month. Whatever day, I don't know. But I can remember three times in my younger Christian life, in the first 10 years, where I want to, to scrap Christianity. That's why I believe in my case, you might think different, that I believe that God holds you like that because I let go and God doesn't. His mighty right hand is holding on to you and you can't go. And what happens is you get through your adversity, whatever trouble it is, and slowly and slowly your rank clings back on God. That's how I see it. That's how I read God holding on to you. He does not let you go. And that's why I'm stood here. Because God did not let me go. If he'd have let me go, I wouldn't be here. And I praise God for that. And that might be exactly the same for you. But that's how it is for me. Anyway, third explanation. It's Matthew 4, 1 to 11. That's what we move on to. Where Jesus, the perfect man, and the devil meet. Which they met anyway. Thank you, Craig, for your reading. Where are you? You're up there. 
this came to me the other day because obviously I read this. This is another sermon from when I were when we were in COVID, and I read it in I don't know whether it were twenty one or in twenty. But did the devil? It's a good question. This I haven't got the answer for it. But did the devil deceive himself, thinking he could deceive Christ, or stop him from doing what God wanted him to do? Think of that. Did the devil deceive himself, thinking? that he could deceive Jesus and stop him the doing the work that he could do, because he never could. So what was the point in doing it in the first place? But he did. He tried to. He did what he did, and they were going to read about it. But he had no chance. It was a waste of time in doing it, because Jesus is the perfect man. He is God in the flesh. The devil is around when Jesus was a baby, after his birth in Bethlehem. When the wise men came from afar, they went to Jerusalem, saying, which is in Matthew 2, this is, verses 2 and 3, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Herod asked the wise men to let him know where he was, when they found him. The wise men never told Herod where Jesus was. Mary and Joseph went to Egypt as warned in a dream. Then Herod sent forth men to kill every male child, two or three, two or two years and under. What an awful thing to do, eh? All them little children, males, being killed, two years and under. Awful. But the devil's involved. What do we expect? And he doesn't know all that God knows. That's why Mary and Joseph took Jesus away. The devil can't fool or outwit God. Now we come to Jesus' baptism. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. The triune Godhead is there. Jesus in human form. The Holy Spirit like a dove. And God the Father speaks in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist and all the crowd hear this voice and saw what happened. So now we move on to Matthew 4, 1 and 2. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now the tempter came to him. Before we go any further, notice the tempter came to Jesus, not the other way around. Just like in Job, the tempter went to God in heaven. Another thing to remember, Jesus and the devil knew each other before the world was made. The devil uses here the three ifs, as I call it. If you are the son of God, Satan says, there is no question if he is truly the son of God, the promised one, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, the I am. So here we go, temptation number one. Matthew 4, 3. Now the tempter 
came to him, that's Jesus, and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Typical when someone is hungry, to tempt them with food or bread. Jesus answered and said, It is written. We had this in the snippet last week. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is the word of God. Jesus knows that we need bread and, or food to live our earthly lives. But we also need God's word to feed the soul, which in turn will carry us on to eternal life. The devil uses bread as bait because Jesus was hungry and in human form. But Jesus knows the devil's tactics. He is all knowing. Temptation number two. This, uh, chapters, uh, Matthew chapter 4, 5 and 7. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If, again, you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus says to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord God. The devil does have certain powers, but nowhere near like Jesus' powers. The devil has power for evil. Jesus has powers for good and righteousness. The devil knows the scriptures and quotes them. He is more cunning maybe than we think. But not to Jesus. He knows his every move. You think of the angels that have in charge of Jesus. If Satan hadn't have fallen and become the devil, he would have been one of them, having charge over him. But obviously he isn't. He's got Lucifer. He knows Jesus, but Jesus knows Lucifer better than he knows himself. Temptation number three. Matthew 4, 8 and 11. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Again, the devil shows Jesus the kingdoms of the world. He has powers and uses them, and asks Jesus to worship him. But the devil's got no chance. He's talking to God in the flesh. He wanted more power in heaven, and he didn't get it. So he won't get it anywhere else. He will always be behind Jesus and the Godhead by miles and miles. The devil fails in the wilderness, but is always around while Jesus is on earth. Jesus casts, casts out demons for many people. Remember the demoniac who had a legion of demons in him. The devil mates, you might say. 
in the parable of the sower. Jesus talks about the devil taking away the word which is sown in people's hearts, which is in Mark 4.15. Just before the transfiguration, Jesus, talking with Peter, says, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offence to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And what about Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, the son of perdition? He betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The devils that working in. You think of all the evil that's cast on Jesus at the cross. Jesus was so strong and perfect, the devil would never win. And now, Jesus has won the battle for all who believe and trust in him. You don't hear of the devil around when Jesus is resurrected. But he does come back with the apostles and the rest of the people in the New Testament. The devil's around today. Could be here. We as Christians just need to resist him because the battle's been won by our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But temptations will come our way in all shapes and sizes. We have to battle on. So put your faith and your trust in him. He will not let you down even if you think differently. He won't let you go neither. And then you will be with him for the rest of your time in this world and the next. Thanks for listening. Amen. Amen.